0: Welcome to episode 38 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty.
1: Hilary! <laughs> ah! <laughs> another day, another dollar. Oh,
0: please um, bring those dollars. Where are they?
1: <laughs> I wanted to give an update from last week's episode. So I did, uh, I covered Aaron Coleman for episode yes. 37 and we record on Sundays and so like within hours of you leaving my house you sent me a text and you said this kid struck like it was a story i think yes. the kid dropped out of the race um this is the kid who had won and he had all it's these things shame. in his past as a kid blah blah blah, blah. uh again i want to make it clear because i went through and edited the show that like, i'm not trying to defend his behavior no, like no, we no. aren't defending this behavior or like saying that what he did was okay i was only bringing up the fact that it's complete hypocrisy that any democrat would say that this kid's (laughs) no good when we uplift shitty men all the time yes i mean like if we're gonna if we're gonna throw stones we should really look in our own closets first before we start you know what i mean yes okay anyway uh he dropped out and then the next day he said he's he's staying in so as of right now he's still going to be in this uh he won the primary but he's going to go to uh november against what the democratic party is going to put in as the write-in which is that stan fraunfelter so i guess we'll wait until november to see what happens hopefully he doesn't drop out before then because i'd like to see some sort of a fight of uh, in november yes. between these two because the people voted for him and they should that's what it means something it needs to mean something
0: yes and Another one of your episodes has, uh, persons has recently been, I want to say, uh, it was episode 35 you care, uh, covered Eamon, uh, Bundy. Yeah. And he was arrested in Idaho at the state house. Uh, twice yeah. for coronavirus mandates but the the best part of it I don't know if you looked is when they arrested him uh-huh. they had handcuffed him to like an office chair and they're yeah. wheeling him out
1: <laughs> I didn't see yeah. that so it's because a picture
0: of the, the cops like with just pulling the chair
1: it's so funny because when it's um, ridiculous it came out the same he was arrested this I think like hours the night before um the episode actually aired yes so it was like a wednesday came out but he was arrested on a tuesday so when i was putting the story up like our graphics or whatever on the instagram i started seeing stories (laughs) about him being arrested i was like this is a weird coincidence but my whole post was like the, the first story i read is that he was there with a bunch of people protesting the Masks and how they were going into the state house with guns and nobody was arresting them like full on weapons like nobody was they were just Uh, walking. This is
0: well, this is this hypocrisy, especially with the uh, another recent shooting. Yes, you know it's it's ridiculous that even Amon Bundy who who was occupying Mm -hmm. land violently yes is still permitted to walk around like this. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, it's it's unacceptable.
1: Yeah. So what's going on with you? So things
0: have been crazy so my dad uh oh here's a story I'm going to tell you how my husband annoyed me. Okay. So my dad has recently started chemo mm. and you know that's it's tough and it's scary but he's been really really positive. And yesterday, you know when I uh I I uh, saw my father, I said, "Hey dad, I I think you need to do hmm. And my that? husband <laughs> was like what are you talking about? <laughs> what 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 is this with this these these Italian, you know, folk remedies? Yeah. And I said, "How dare you? How dare you insult me?" So the uova <laughs> spatu is like it's like this it's a egg yolk, sugar, and you and you you um like whip it up. Yeah, you whip it up and you can add it to like milk or you can, you know, and it's got a lot of protein and my grandmother one of my cousins had. I can't. She gave him włos batu every day. Never lost a hair off his head. Mm. And I'm like, let's do the włos but What's it gonna hurt? Yeah, nothing. Couple days a week. Who cares? And my husband's like, you with this, this stuff. Like, what do you think that this is? And I and I said, you know what? I said I, I'm I'm gonna pull the god the the good fellas line. Your prejudice against Italian in this day and age, <laughs> you got to come at me because I have a good idea, and you got to attack it all the time as like some old fashioned thing. Yeah. I was offended.
1: Well, you should be offended. <laughs> and Let me tell you something else. Let me tell you something else. Modern medicine's not been around, you know, Western medicine's been around that long. Listen. And sometimes these things really work It for could people. help. What's Give wrong them, with them a little boost. Give them a little bit of protein. Come on. What's wrong with it? What is it called again?
0: L'uovo spatu.
1: L'uovo spatu. <laughs> like, let's do it already. Get the eggs. Whip them up for your poor So dad. I told him
0: I want him to have it a couple days a week. And he was like, oh, yeah, I like that. My mom's like, no, that's not a bad idea. And my husband was like, you guys are crazy. Listen,
1: he won't lose a hair, a head a hair off his head. <laughs> <laughs> now one hair. Well, I thought of you yesterday because I, uh, on my Instagram stories, I, so, when i was, so, so, when I don't know how these, these pictures pop up in my feed, but there was a picture of Madonna and I'll never forget this picture, but it was, she wore a shirt. It says Italians do it better.
0: Oh, and, uh, I think I remember that from yeah, back in the day. Yeah, I remember with her shirt, yes. with
1: that short blonde hair and it made me think of you. I was like, Tina would love that <laughs>
0: shirt. What <laughs> <laughs> was Batu? What was Batu? Come on. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. No, don't
1: be offended. I mean I mean be offended. Yes. yes. No. You're besides the fact that you what, what could it hurt? You're trying to help your dad. What's I'm trying to you help do? him. I'm like, listen, just even if it's for peace of mind. Yeah. Just do it. Yes. Oh God. It was so funny. how is he doing? He's handling it well. Everything's been
0: so far, I mean his first treatment and he he said he felt good and so good. that's what we're going with, is just being positive and moving good. forward and I think
1: all of you know a lot of people come out of things like this if they have a positive attitude it, it does it helps it, it helps a hundred percent yes so oh well I'm praying for him
0: yes no it's good he's he's you know my dad's pretty much like eh, well, it is, it's a little yeah. bit it's fine what do you you know that's yeah, yeah, yeah. like sort of his attitude which I love
1: yeah so and it makes you not worry so much too sometimes, yes you know yes oh tina
0: all right are you ready
1: Let's do it. Today, I'm going to tell
0: you the story of the first political sex scandal. Mm. Hamilton Reynolds <gasps> Affair. Oh, my God. Never going to be president now.
1: What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that's the only one I'll do. because
1: Wow, my kids are going to be thrilled so, to know that you did this. My son...
0: Who is 11. Mm-hmm. He's a big history guy. Mm-hmm. He has now seen Hamilton close to 20 times. He listens to the soundtrack, recites all the songs, imitates the dances. And he has been begging me most uh, since Hamilton dropped on Disney yeah. to do the story. He's like, what are you waiting for?
1: Yeah. And My he, kids and it, too. My kids have asked me. My daughter has asked me. Yeah.
0: Yes. And um, he so earlier in the week, he presented an argument. He mm. pulled up stuff online. And he was like, look, there's this. What are you waiting for? Just do it. And I was like, fine, fine, fine. I'll do it this week. So that's
1: my favorite part. (laughs) My favorite thing about this story is that, you know, Alexander Hamilton, like all of our founding fathers, was a complicated uh, man who, with all of his genius, still had, uh, weaknesses. Yes. And he was so brilliant. And we can point to, to the founding fathers for a, a lot of wonderful things, but they all had some very, yes. very terrible flaws. And and they're so, human. But he, but even Alexander, this was a, this was a, a very sad weakness. And when it comes, and in the, in the musical, you're yes. like, damn, you know, cause you love this guy so much. He's so yes. smart. He's winning. He's doing it all. He's like success, you know, he's, he's pulled himself up. Yes. And then, dun, dun, dun. I know. I know. Threw it all, all away. All right, let's do it. All right,
0: so Alexander Hamilton is one of the founding fathers who worked as a banker, a lawyer, fought in the military, and served as a politician. Mm. But when whispers of an affair circulate, Hamilton's political aspirations become compromised. Because mm. he's in those compromising positions. <laughs> all right, so our story takes place in New York around 1791. Of course, this is not the New York of today. And up until 17, 1790, I think it was from like 1784 or so to 1790, New York served as the capital. And then it moved to Philadelphia. And then of course to DC in 1791. And so fun facts about New York at that time, Washington gave the first state of the union there. Mm. The first census uh, was authorized and for the first time ever, SCOTUS convened
1: wow i know amazing crazy
0: yeah before i go into details about his dirty deeds we're going to give a little bit of background so no this is not a history lesson yeah yeah cool. it would take it's, it would oh. be we would be here for twenty thousand years
1: and listen you'd have a lot more fun listening to the soundtrack yes. of hamilton <laughs> yes yes so i'm
0: just going to note some career highlights and then we're just going to get into do it the affair yes so we all know from hamilton the background is that he was born in the uh, Caribbean, the Leland Islands. He was born out of wed, uh, wedlock. He became orphaned at around 11 or 13. So some people differ on when he was actually born. Mm. And so that's, you know. I wish you could
1: do that with my birth certificate. Right? Well, remember, what's his 85. face? There was that good. other, there
0: was that one politician that we covered that did that, that like fudged yeah. his age, <laughs> the one who hated women. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. He headed to New York, he attended what is now Columbia University, then it was King's College, joined um, a militia of American troops, became a troop leader, he found success as a military leader, that kind of propels his political career, and I'm going to just hit three... Major accomplishments, of course, the Federalist Papers, mm. which he wrote and had others write, you know, a ton of essays to defend the Constitution. Right. Uh, Secretary of the Treasury. Right. Mm. He was the first one. And that is, you know, the person who advises the president on economic matters, takes on uh, duties like printing our currency. The U.S. Mint, you know, pays the bills kind of thing, recommends yeah. policy that has to do with yeah. economic policy. Important. And then, uh, of course, the U.S. Mint, the establishment of our U.S. Mint, which, yeah. you know, that's where our currency is uh, created and printed. And he had a lot to do with how our currency functioned in t- terms of coins and value and like setting that. And imagine like you're starting a country no, like he, he's, how he's, you have to think about what how, what's gold weighted, what's silver weighted. And no, all. it's so, incredible. Yes. So it's a genius. Yes. And I'm not going to again, you guys can go read a history it's... book on how the U.S. Mint came up with that. But yeah, yeah, that was it. So his relationship um, with his wife. So Hamilton met and married Elizabeth Shiler in 1780. They met. They were gaga over each other. They wrote letters. And on our Instagram, there is uh, they have a copy of an early love letter. Mm. So I have a like the first page of that. A bunch of his uh, writings went up for auction. Oh, wow. Um, a couple of years ago. I mean, but it was like millions of dollars yeah. like, to own these things. But imagine. Oh, my gosh. I mean, even in like the, the, the Reynolds pamphlet, like, oh, my gosh. It would be so awesome to like I have know, that thing. I know. Uh, they had eight children together. So we know he is this incredible speaker and writer. But again, we also know he has this reputation as a mm. bit of a playboy. Mm-hmm. So the major incident. Mm-hmm. Hamilton finds himself entwined in a hot and heavy affair that lasts about a year. But the thing that stands out is that he this is what really I think shows he's shrewd, right? He sets the record straight. He's yes. like, "I'm going to put this pamphlet out. I'm going to write everything down. I'm going to publish publish it." And he gets to drive the narrative now. Right. You know, so so it was Smart in a way to say, okay, I'm going to control. Everyone's going to talk, but now I'm going to put it out. And at least it's like in my own words. And it's going to be hard for other people then to come in afterwards. Yes, but you know,
1: what he does when he does that is Uh so devastating to his family and his wife. I mean, that... His
0: poor wife, right? The song. I
1: cry. No, I cry when she's burning those letters. Uh. Like It's just... It's so, I mean, we're referencing, well, I well, hope you this, listen, the, listen. Uh, he first put, all, he the, put the laundry alert. out on the street. Yes, but spoiler alert for Hamilton. If you go watch Hamilton, if you haven't yet, cause we're giving you a lot of the, the show away. But yeah, but no, it's, uh, I can't imagine, but, uh,
0: he, I mean, and that's out on the street. Like he publishes this. I know it was in the and paper. It's everybody. everywhere. And yeah, and like it's, I think bad enough to deal with an affair, but now to deal with an affair that the entire, world knows that you know everyone you know has read
1: his honor and his was more important is right setting that straight and and yes throwing you know directing the narrative was more important to him than who was going to be hurt in the process yeah and that's it's ambition it's pride Uh. there's all kinds of things happen there that he put in front of His The the feelings of his wife. I'm sorry, but that's so fucked.
0: It's messed up. Yeah. So according to Sarah Pruitt's history article, Maria Reynolds, then 23, shows up at then 34-year-old Hamilton's house, and she tells him this story. And this is, again, Hamilton's account, Mm -hmm. right? He says that she's crying about her horrible, no-good husband Mm -hmm. who had left her high and dry with a child and no money. And he, being the gentleman that he was offered a shoulder to cry on and since he's this powerful guy he does have the ability to help and he did I don't want to editorialize here Mm -hmm. but I'm going to do it anyway so I just picture like here's this guy seeing this beautiful woman because from uh, all accounts that she was very beautiful Mm -hmm. at his door he sees opportunity he knows oh she wants money I could probably get something out of this right come on
1: um yeah, because no, yeah.
0: he says to her, I don't, I don't have any cash on me right now, but I'll come by your your boarding house that you're staying in and I'll drop the money off there. Come on. Yeah. You know, he had some money lying around the house.
1: I know. It's give me a break. I know. I, I know. didn't have
0: any money. So then I had to go over there. And then when he brings the money over, she's like, why don't you come upstairs? Yeah. And then he's like, OK. And he follows her up the stairs and then he's like, you know, payment for payment kind of thing. Please, it's the 1790s. Some young ladies leaving you, up, leading you up the stairs. You know what's going down. Yeah. Well, so.
1: listen, he, it's not like he doesn't have free will. He can say no. Here's the money. Bye. Yes. yes. But that's not what happens.
0: No. Because he's so, not thinking with the right head. Uh huh. So he gives her the money. They hook up, and it's like a year. They they do this for a year. And as the musical notes, they even hook up at his house Mm. and Eliza and the kids are visiting either, uh, her father or her family, but it was more than once. So in the play, it kind of alludes like that there was this one time was at the house, but he, in, in in the Reynolds pamphlet wrote, I had frequent meetings with her, most of them at my own house. Yeah. Most of them.
1: that's That's the worst (laughs) of it. I mean, but also it's a thing where it's, you know. It's at your house. But he's the man of the house. Maybe uh, that's the thing. Maybe it's a thing where it's like, well, this is my house. I pay for it. I, you know, what's, what, what to, what's to it? Who cares? Yes. yes.
0: I, I, you know, I don't know, man. So according to Andrew uh, Procop's Vox article, Maria's husband, James, allegedly knew about the affair and with Maria plotted to bribe Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So some, some people sort of say that Maria kind of got on board after the fact. Some people say that she knew the whole time. Okay. And that it was a plan. Like, we're going to target this guy Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So the article also notes that... That's really gross, but okay. That back in the day, a cuckolded husband could duel. So like if someone hooked up with your wife, it's like, all right, we're going to duel. But supposedly they knew that Hamilton was worth money Mm -hmm. and they figured they could extort money from him. So they come to him for... $1,000, which today is about $25,000. Jeez. And Procop notes that Hamilton pays him off, and then Pruitt details that he does so in two payments, and James asks for additional smaller amounts, and Hamilton complies until he finally ends things uh, with Maria in 1792. And both Pruitt and Procop's articles suggest that Maria had a hand in this. So there's this suggestion that because of his power and wealth, Right. It, they knew perhaps that he had this reputation as a womanizer. Mm. They know that he has money. So they're like, let's it's dangle, gross. let's dangle but the carrot. Basically in front of the them.
1: husband pimped out his wife. Yes. To Hamilton. And Hamilton was a John. Like he was a customer. That's what happened. Yes. It wasn't like it was a relationship that she was a, she was a sex worker. Come on. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, he paid her until he, he ended it.
0: Well, yeah, because he paid the husband. Well, well Also, he wanted to break it off and they basically are like, no, you guys are still. So he's still with her while he's paying. So there's something, you know, so fucked up. Yes. So, you know, the husband sees this as a profitable situation. And so uh, Sarah Torrey's uh, Smithsonian article suggests that uh, this is someone who says Maria was completely unaware. And when her husband finds out, Mm. then the husband's like, all right. You've, you're doing this. We're just going gonna to make money off of it. And the thing that's... I, what, what do you think? Well, the thing is Maria sends a letter to Hamilton. Okay. And she says, hey, my husband sent you a letter. I don't know if you've received it yet, but he's waiting for reply and quote from her letter. Quote, he has swore that if you do not answer it or if he doesn't see or hear from you to, today, he will write Mrs. Hamilton. So she's now written saying, hey, my husband sent you a letter. He's going to tell your wife everything. And so.
1: So when did she know? Did she not know? Did she know? What do you think? I I don't know. Like,
0: I don't know if she got busted. And then the husbands, because they were separated, I think.
1: Right. That's what I always thought.
0: So I don't know. I mean.
1: If she knew the whole time and went on in on this. I mean, she definitely knew
0: for. Some of the time. Oh,
1: it's so sad.
0: Yeah. So the next day or... Well, the next day or so, Hamilton receives James's letter that basically says, you know, pay up or else. So Sortori does note that Maria may be complicit in the scam following the original letters because she's always asking Hamilton over when her husband is out. Mm. And James, of course, is cool with it because he's getting money he's getting money oh yes Ugh. so what's crazy though is that in the middle of all of this hamilton is setting up the u.s mint like you right. know he's got this huge responsibility like we are creating the country here and you now are dealing with this bullshit on the side right like get your head and you you got you got a, a huge job to do and now you got these distractions <laughs> get rid of these distractions
1: Men are are so complicated. It's crazy. It's not enough work to set up the U.S. Men. I've got to have a little bit more work. Yes,
0: I got to have some more stress on my life. So, how do things go down? So, according to Sartori, James ends up in jail for forgery, which is no surprise, right? The guy's a con man. So, he's like, Hamilton, do me a solid, get me out. (gasps) Come on. And Hamilton's like, no, like, screw you. Bye. And then James is sitting in jail like, you know what? Like screw this guy. I got this dirt on him. So mm. he doesn't say like, sure man, great, thanks just thought I'd ask. No, he's pissed off. He gets word through jail to Hamilton's political rivals. Right. And he says that he has some dirt on Hamilton and a clerk wrote to his superior, uh, a congressman uh Moholberg, Moholenberg, "The man now in jail." who got me into all this trouble, says that he has enough on the treasury secretary to hang him. And so now people are like,
1: ooh, what? Because he didn't have a lot of friends at the time. No. Hamilton.
0: No. So which rivals uh, get sent all of this information? James Monroe and a couple of other congressmen. And not only do they go pay James a visit in jail, but they go to Maria. Mm. And they're like, tell us. And she spills the whole story. So, and she also gives them letters. So now they have like this evidence. And uh, so it's similar to the musical, except the people involved are different because they have Burr and, and, uh, you know, uh, Jefferson, but Jefferson doesn't get involved until later. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's creative Liberty there, Mm -hmm. but they do confront Hamilton and they're like, here's this, uh, here are these letters as evidence. And he caves And they all agree, we're going to keep a lid on this information because Hamilton is still a high-ranking politician. They're in the middle of all of this stuff right now. He's working on the treasury. And they don't feel that he's done anything illegal, right? Stupid, immoral, but not illegal. But they made copies Mm. of these letters. And how do they make copies back then? They don't have a copy machine. They have the Scriveners, right? Right. I don't know if you've ever read Bartleby the Scrivener by Melville. It's so good. I prefer not to. Anyone out there know what I'm talking about? I prefer not to. It's, it's, it's so good. But, um, so they have people who write the copy. So, uh, not only do they have it, but you know, there's a potential that people who are copying these letters right. know the contents of the letters. Right. Right. So, uh, allegedly Jefferson, um, and some other people, uh, you know, Monroe, other people have copies of these documents, but they don't do, and they sit on them for five years. Wow. Five years. So, five years later, one guy um, on the other side eventually comes out ready to blow uh, all of this up. So, some people say that Jefferson had a hand in it, kind of prompted this person forward. But again, imagine you're Hamilton and you're like, okay, it, it's been five years. He's breathing a little easier. Right. You know, maybe this is gone. And boom, like it all <sighs> comes back imagine? out. Now he hasn't been with this woman for a long time, five years is a long time. And here it comes. So he ends up writing the Reynolds pamphlet. And again, I mean, it's just to write it. And it's long. Have yeah. you read it? No. Oh, my God. It's really, really long. Um, it's 100 pages long.
1: Wow. 100 Pages. Well he was known for that, just going it's on too much. and on and it's on it's too much. Like ten pages
0: would suffice, no?
1: I guess I mean, but you know, when <laughs> if you're if you're trying to God,
0: I really I know, want defend, one of these pamphlets.
1: Like defend your actions, defend what you did. You know, it's gonna take a while to try to get people on your side.
0: Yes. So um, I'm gonna read a little excerpt from it. So it's an excerpt that Alberts provided uh, provides in his American Heritage article on the affair. So this is from Hamilton, quote, The intercourse with Mrs. Reynolds continued. And though various and through various reflections induced me to wish a cessation of it, yet her conduct made it extremely difficult to disentangle myself. Mm. All the appearances of violent attachment and of agonizing distress at the idea of a relinquishment were played with the most imposing art. This kept me in a state of irresolution My sensibility, perhaps my vanity, admitted the possibility of a real fondness. So this is kind of, I'm like, look at you, Mm -hmm. Hamilton. Her conduct made it extremely difficult to disentangle myself, right? So now we're flipping it back. I'm a victim. Right? I'm a victim of this seductress. Yeah, we know how women are. Right? Yeah. She made it, the appearances, of violent attachment, of agonizing distress at the idea of us breaking up. And it was in a most imposing art, like her ability to play up this emotion. I I was affected by it, the way that she was seemed to care. And then my vanity made me believe that she really loved me.
1: Come and, on, and Hamilton! Then my penis accidentally yes. went into her vagina over and over yes. and over again for a year. For a year, it was an for accident. Oops! Yes, she got but, me. <laughs> you got me, bitch. You I got mean, me. Give me a break, <laughs> but
0: but like this is that thing, like no, the intensity of emotion, right? I just feel like dog whistle for hysterical woman. Yeah, Um, and I, I don't know, like that that it's her performance. I. And at this time period, you know, to, to present the woman as seductress, right. He's taken in by her wiles. He ties everything to like the Eve version, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it can't be man's fault. Right. Right. It's because he was seduced and he was fooled by her emotional ploys because that's how dangerous women are. It's, Ooh, it's so, ugh. so aftermath, essentially we know that his presidency is out the window. So a couple points of interest. The musical has that line about Martha Washington um, naming her feral cat after Hamilton. And he's like, I love it because it, he, you know, he breaks the fourth wall and he's like, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true. So um, there's that. And now here is an interesting article. According to a Jason Parks article in Medium, there was no affair. What? So in his article, he reviews a biography of Eliza and he notes that allegedly Hamilton wanted to make some cash on the side and he knew James Reynolds because Maria was Eliza's third cousin.
1: What? Mm -hmm.
0: And that they planned all of this out to cover up the money exchanging hands and make it look like a bribe so that he wouldn't go to jail for a financial crime and they said a. Liza supposedly noted in letters that she believes her husband and it would account for why she never really flipped out and why Maria continued to deny the affair for years afterwards. So I don't know. She spilled
1: it to the guys, the guys that came to her.
0: Well, that's what they all say. I don't know.
1: Like if they're all involved, I don't know. Can I ask you something? Does there have to be a conspiracy about everything? Everything. I know. I know. I can't stand it anymore. I know. I can't stand it he says there was an affair why would he write a hundred pages because he doesn't want to go to jail for you know stealing money you think but why would he steal money it just doesn't seem like so. he was making money i don't know he People was married people to steal a wealthy, money people he, steal money all the time when he married into a wealthy family like why would he do that
0: i don't know i mean this was this, this guy I, I i thought it was interesting so i wanted to throw it out there because i was like
1: what that's that I so, no I'm out I'm out of that. No. All right, so
0: that's one that's one theory. Um and then of course there is um Angelica. You know, so people are like is was there really an affair? Yes. Did something happen between the two of them? So Angelica according Angelica is Elizabeth's sister. Yes, Angelica is Elizabeth's sister. So according to uh Puckett's Harper's bizarre article, there is no evidence of an affair between Angelica and Hamilton, but mm-hmm. there is a suggestion that they were very much into each other. The thing is, there's no substantial concrete proof of but, an affair. But there were letters, There right? were letters, yes. And the letters definitely are playful. And Puckett points to Hamilton biographer Chernow, who says, quote, the attraction between Hamilton and Angelica was so potent and obvious that many people assumed they were lovers, where Eliza bowed reluctantly to the social demands of Hamilton's career, Angelica applauded his ambitions and was always famished for news of his latest political exploits.
1: Mm.
0: And Puckett also notes that Angelica addressed Hamilton once in a letter as quote, my dear and naughty brother.
1: Oh. Ew.
0: <laughs> So the other thing with Hamilton, so, you know, the, the play really lets us kind of fall for Hamilton. You know, we, we see this account that makes us, you know, kind of root for him and, and yes. like him. Other historical accounts really paint him as a pompous, arrogant right. kind of jerk. And, um, I don't know if you ever saw the John Adams HBO, like he hated, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, Hamilton and likewise they didn't like each other the other thing I thought was interesting but several several things that I read talk about like how good looking he was like he was supposedly like super hot
1: why well, super
0: hot young guy
1: but when you look at those the paintings of him yes like the, from from that from that time
0: compared to like the other founding fathers, right, exactly folders, yes. yes he's good looking he's
1: very yeah 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 so I was going to say at the, for the time for the time yeah yes and if it was today if he didn't have that ponytail or whatever or like, like yeah. those, the powdered wig he's yeah got the, he's got a he's got a beautiful like chiseled like jawline yes. and nose no he looks he looks very handsome yes
0: so a ton of people hated him though
1: yeah well hated him mm-hmm. and
0: he was challenged to a duel on twelve separate occasions yeah once by James Monroe mm. James Monroe was going to duel him. And so some people who hated Hamilton, Jefferson, Thomas Paine, and uh, John Adams. And then here is a little fun uh, thing that I found. It's a little true crime thing. Mm -hmm. So according to Matthew's Splinter article, Burr and Hamilton, who were rivals, they actually worked together on the first murder trial in United States history. Isn't that amazing? I was like, what? Yes. So the story goes there were two lovers... Elma Sands and Levi Weeks, and they hooked up at a boarding house, similar to Hamilton's boarding (laughs) houses. And back then, not okay, right? So they have to get engaged to make this whole thing seem like legitimate. And one night, Weeks comes home to the boarding house, but Sands does not. They find her body. She's been strangled to death. The cops find their way to Weeks, and since the boyfriend, lover, husband, whatever, is always under suspicion, right? Right. Um, Even then, he's arrested, (laughs) So witnesses roll in, and it seems pretty clear cut, like that he probably killed his fiance. Burr and Hamilton, along with someone who would later become a Supreme Court judge, defend this guy. And the ar- article notes that people refer to this as the original dream team. <laughs> uh, this this group <laughs> that's of, amazing uh, lawyers. Yeah, and because Hamilton is like so well versed with right. his use of language, he eviscerates this guy. Uh, one of the witnesses on the stand and presents potential culprits and essentially plants doubt the reasonable uh, doubt in the jury Yeah, and the defense and the prosecution rest. And in five minutes, the jury comes back, not guilty. Five amazing. minutes. Yeah. It's, amazing. it's crazy. And then the last thing that's, that's really sad is to go back to Maria. She's the one that ends up paying the most because of this scandal and according to eric sauce's mental floss article she divorces uh james and uh burr actually was her divorce attorney wow and she marries someone else who was allegedly another co-conspirator in all of this a guy named klingman they end up divorcing as well and because her reputation is completely shot mm. Because, of course, women get blamed for everything, mm-hmm. especially back then. Well, you got 100 pages saying it's
1: your fault. So, And they
0: start referring to her as, and I'm going to use the language, uh, prostitute, because that's what they, they mm. refer to her as. And because of that, they take her child away from her. <gasps> they take her daughter. They put her daughter into foster care. And she, uh, Maria, ends up in a brothel oh, and, no. um, like, that ends up being her life and then her daughter because her daughter was in foster care and everything oh, else no, no, no. ends up uh becoming part of a brothel as well jesus christ i mean talk about the horrible collateral Meanwhile, damage for these women
1: where's the father you know this is what i'm yes, saying this it's, is horrible. Awful. it's horrible horrible i'm dying to know how much she knew
0: i know and i couldn't even find like a you know, cause they only did pictures back then if, if you had your portrait painted and you had to have money. So I have, um, you know, I have a Hamilton. I have a copy of that letter and I have an Eliza, but I, I, I mean, I looked and looked. There's no, even James Ronald. I want to see like who, what do they look like? Where are they? There's no, you know, uh, photos of them remaining. Wow. You know, it's really sad. Really, really sad. But that's the story. That's the story of our Looker and Lothario, Hamilton. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when so, uh i took my daughter to new york for her 10th birthday that was one of our stops we went to trinity church and saw hamilton's uh grave what yes <gasps> and so when you walk up the street to get to the church it's on like the side of the church where this where the cemetery is uh it's kind of you kind of have to look up at, at the at the cemetery and his his gravestone is there and i think angelica is buried there too
0: wow we weren't
1: able to go into it but we could see it from the sidewalk. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. That's, I, I love that stuff that w- my husband and I have been talking with COVID. It's so hard, but we're hoping next summer that we can do like a little historical, yeah, you know, kind of trip. Cause we want to do DC, but then he's like, I really want to do kind of Boston. Yes. You know? So, and my son is so into it. So oh we were God. gonna, you know, ask him like, where, where what are some places you want to go to? You know, we Philadelphia, so there's so much many.
1: fun in, in DC like a year and a half ago we had so much fun there with the kids and they loved it so much it was snowing and it was it was the best and now we were in the middle of a shutdown yeah <laughs> so all the smithsonians were closed uh, which was what our plan was yes but we were able to tour the house and uh the supreme court we actually went into the chamber of the supreme court uh, it was amazing yeah but I'm, they wanted to be in the snow i mean that's what yes. they wanted
0: to do but, it but was, you could go to you know, the theater and you see like the, the yes. little plaque of...
1: Yeah, it's, it's, there's so many things to see there. It's yeah. such a wonderful city, Washington, D.C. It's
0: been a long time since I've been... I'm going to say mm. 15 years since I've been there. Oh,
1: my God. It's the best. But it's the best.
0: I'm hoping... Because next year, I'm hoping yeah, there'll be someone else there. Yeah. And I'll feel fine about being there. Yeah. Um, My okay. friend, uh, Keith, sent me an article... Uh, like a video clip from CNN, there was a professor there talking about, and, and he said, do you really think it's going to be over on that Tuesday? I mean, he he talked about what American fascism would look like. I and mean, it was very, very scary.
1: One of the greatest things about this country is how we hand over power peacefully. And so I, that's my last hope. I don't have I don't have a lot of hope about what's going to happen in November. I really don't, and I don't want people to become complacent because this is not in the uh, bag. No, and I've read so many articles in the last week or so about. Uh, there's a great one in the New York Times called "The Silent Majority," um, or it says it's, it's the title is "Is Facebook the Silent Majority?" And there's a uh, the guy who writes the article has been studying. He's a journalist, but he's been studying the data on Facebook since the first election and how. You know, polls, people lie on polls. They're I, embarrassed I, to say they're going to vote for Trump. They're embarrassed to say that they vote, that they support him. Yes. But when you look at... We can't at, look at polls.
0: I wish that they no. will... I, I I really wish they could just not put any polls out this year. Yeah. Don't put them out. No, I, don't, I don't want to hear it.
1: Yeah. There's nothing's in the bag. But they said... Um, but he in the article, he basically talks about how people click on articles and read articles and like articles, share articles, um, that they wouldn't necessarily talk about him in public like they're it's the silent majority because there are more there are more yes. people who support him in what is the gr- biggest social media site in the world that don't tell you that they support them in real life so it's yeah. like you know we have to really be aware and it's easy for us my mother is incredibly positive and has hope in this country she told me yesterday that biden will win and, and i'm she said, scared she, to it's, death it is a mirror it's exactly what she was telling me in 2016 And I'm like, you have to stop. You have to stop that because this is not going like it's difficult to have conversations with my parents who grew up in a time when America was whatever, what what they considered was the best. And it has been in decline for decades and decades and decades. Trump is not what's making the country bad. It's been bad for a long time. And I think in Biden's DNC speech, he said you know, this is Trump's America where there's protests and riots. And I was like, motherfucker, this is the, you know, chickens coming home to roost. Yes. This is not Trump. This is America. America is racist. Yes. Period. And Trump is racist and says racist things. But it has been racism has existed here forever. And so this could have happened any under any other president.
0: Yes. However, the thing that's scary, my, my husband and I and my parents were talking about this on uh Friday is that Trump is scary, but he's stupid. Right. And if someone else comes after him mm-hmm. that is equally dangerous but intelligent, mm. it's but, frightening the and possibility. I, and I think
1: those are the people who are behind him. Yes. Those people like what's that ding dong that you covered? Um Miller. Oh he's ugh. scary and he's smart yeah and that's the manipulative smart people that are behind him and that's what i was trying to tell my mom too it's not trump that scares me what scares me is how easily and quickly republicans they fall in line fall in line and not only the voters are scary because they elect people but the people in power like a lindsey graham or the other guy uh yeah, whatever. They're all defending him and getting behind him. Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz. Oh, God. These are people disgusting. who just fall in line and they have so much power. And those are the guys that scare me the most. Those guys. Because they would rather support this racist turd. And actually stand up for the people in America actually stand up yeah. for immigrants and uh, from where their families come.
0: Yeah. That's know? the thing. And so that's the
1: scariest thing for me are the people in power who so easily turn coat to hang on to power, to not be a target uh, from Trump. Like those guys scare me because Trump will go away. He'll go away, but we can never forget those people in power who have held him up. From, yes. Pushed him. McConnell.
0: Oh, my God, I hate him The people who have so
1: pushed, you know, kept him, pushed Ugh. him up, pushed him up, pushed him up to keep him standing. Yeah. Those people we can never forget, and they will have to be removed from office because it is a fucking tragedy what they have done to allow Listen, this bullshit to I, happen.
0: I, I, I told my husband, I said, I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, for him to win and then for his son to run and, like, you know, his daughter. Because he, here's the thing. And these are people that are idiots. It, it, They're the, idiots. The thing
1: that bothers me the most is this. Again, it's the people who support him, but I have plenty of people in my family and my friends that are Republicans. I am in no fucking way whatsoever anti Republican. I'm not. And we better all start getting on that page. Yes. Because there's reasonable ways we can work together because yes. it is a we've come to a fucking a stop where mass, uh healthcare abortion rights everything is tied to us versus them and it's like we are never going to move forward as a country because we hate each other so much the yeah. reason why these other countries are out of c- fucking uh quarantine is because they said well if i don't wear a mask my neighbor could get sick and i don't want this person to get sick and i don't want i want everybody they care about the community we right. don't do that here we no. don't care about fucking anybody except ourselves
0: and We got to start
1: getting on the same page we have to do it yeah, and, are- and and the people who supported Trump, they better, they have to get on board. I know plenty of Republicans who voted for Hillary Clinton because they recognize a clown show and yeah. they don't, they know that's not their party. They know it's not their party.
0: Well, I think it's, I just wish we could get out of a two party system.
1: Yeah. And, but we have to stop. Know. You know, I know there's fundamental things we all don't agree on. I get it. But. We have to work together to actually save this country because we're on. We're, we're, I mean, it's over. The party's yeah. over. But do we want to continue to exist? Yeah. You know what I mean? Do they want killings in the street. Like, what, what is that? That's what just happened. They were fucking protesters, which is a I goddamn know. right in this country. It's a fucking kill by some 17-year-old kid.
0: That they allow to walk around, that they offer water to, that they praise for helping the police. That's where we are. Like that that police chief.
1: That is where we are. It's disgusting. That is where we are. And so to not acknowledge that and to say, well, if you weren't there, you wouldn't be shot. What the fuck? That is a right in this country. That is a right that we have.
0: But they couch everything in terms of we need to protect property. We need to protect the police. (sighs) We need to protect. And it's violent. And they, 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 use language to gin up fear yeah. in people that's all they're doing
1: well i've had it i've had it and i i i don't know what we're gonna do
0: i can't think about it
1: it's frightening i can't think about november i know i'm scared
0: i know okay okay well let's do, do your story so we can get <sighs> some joy think,
1: well i don't no, know let's no. see what happens oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh god so, I'm going to talk today about the Ab Scam Sting Operation. Have you ever heard of this? I don't From the think... 80s, late 70s, early 80s? Okay. No. So, the FBI sting operation Ooh. started with the help of one man, Melvin Weinberg. Weinberg was a con man who grew up in the Bronx and was a convicted swindler who was always looking to make a quick buck. After marrying his first wife, Mary, and having three children, Marvin started helping his father's glass installation business. One of the ways he helped was by breaking windows of store owners who used non-union glazers. You know, glazers install the windows. So he would go around and smash the windows <gasps> of other people. Cause his oh, dad's dad was and now we can guy. fix it. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the ways that he would do it. Hey. Besides the work with his dad's business, Weinberg was always running a scam. He started a firm called London Investors, and for a large non-refundable upfront fee, he promised to secure for his clients huge loans that would never materialize. Oh, no. Yeah. So one of his victims was Vegas singer Wayne Newton, who was one of the lucky ones since he only was duped out of eight hundred and fifty dollars. Wow! So, yeah, Weinberg said the suckers were so eager that some of them got taken twice. Um, by, the, by this time, he had divorced Mary and married his mistress Marie, and with a new wife came a new mistress, Evelyn Knight. Dang! She would help Melvin in his schemes by impersonating an English noblewoman, calling herself Lady Edith. Uh, Evelyn, who was actually English, and Melvin would introduce her in the scams, and nobody thought she was anything but nobility, because apparently she was, like, beautiful, and, like, nobody... Yeah, yeah, yeah. you hear that accent, you're (laughs) like, of course. Nobody questioned anything. She didn't have a big part in Weinberg's cons, uh, and he didn't really tell her what he did until one of the victims sued him, and the feds had an arrest warrant out for Lady Evelyn. (gasps) So in March 1978, Weinberg, who was facing a grand jury himself, agreed to help the FBI with four cases if charges were against her were dropped, and he was asking for probation um, for his con con man uh, jobs. Uh, Weinberg had already been an FBI informant for years, and because he always delivered, they wanted him to do more. So, the this,
0: FBI always knows, yeah, how to get these guys. Yes. Yeah, how they can use you know them. the kid. You know the kid recently that um did all those Twitter hacks, like the 17 yes, year old. Yes. Yes. I said to my husband, I said, the FBI has got to you. And he's like, he needs to go to jail. And I said, the FBI needs to, this is a brilliant mind. Yeah. You can't sit in a jail cell. Someone's got to learn how to use that <laughs> knowledge somehow.
1: It's those, it's the, the, the people who use, have these brilliant criminal minds. Like what could they do if I they know. applied it to something, really Some, good? something good. I know. So, in exchange for jail time, Weinberg agreed to help the FBI set up sting operations in exchange for probation on his charges. Initially, the operation began as a low-priority white-collar sting with a $32,000 budget to last maybe a few months. But one time, Weinberg helped the FBI recover some stolen paintings, and the company that had insured the paintings gave him $10,000 reward for his efforts. Mm. That's when he thought he could make a living helping the FBI as, quote, a government crook. That's what he called himself. Wow. Melvin told Mike Wallace in a sixty minutes interview he did it strictly for the money. So he well, kept I mean, working. It sounds like good money. Yeah. So he kept working for the FBI after the four cases were done and he thought up bigger and bigger schemes, finally settling on the standard version, which is what the ab scam uh, sting operation was. He uh, was the agent of a millionaire businessman called Kambir Abdul Rahman, a sheik from the Arab Emirates. Mm. One of the scenarios was that the sheik wanted to loan out his money at interest, but Islamic laws against lending money prevented him from doing so and he needed bogus or forged certificates of deposits to withdraw cash from Muslim banks to invest elsewhere. Others were told that he simply wanted to invest his millions in the U.S. or buy art and finance uh, porno films. (laughs) So The Sheik was portrayed by as many as three FBI agents throughout Abscam, which stood for Arab Scam, until complaints from the American Arab Relations Committee forced the FBI to say that it stood for Abdul Scam instead. (sighs) Huh. At first, Weinberg targeted white-collar crooks like William Rosenberg, who was told that he'd gain $7 million in commissions if he could help the Sheik make a profitable $100 million investment in turning Atlantic City into the Vegas of the East. The only problem was that the Sheik needed a guarantee that the hotel casino he was helping to build would get a gambling license. Don't worry, Rosenberg said. He knew Camden Mayor Angelo Aracetti. Mm. So ericetti is this foul mouthed like megalomaniac, you know, <laughs> he's like larger than life. And after their first meeting, ericetti told Weinberg that he could promise a gambling license, and he said, "quote I'll give you Atlantic City. Without me, you do nothing. I'll be your rabbi." Wow. So that's what he told Weinberg, and then of course the other people who are representing the Sheik, right? Where they're all FBI agents. Wow. He wanted. $400,000 in bribes, and over the next year, he offered to get the undercover agents into all types of scams. Quote, he, this is what Weinberg said, um, Chetty wanted to get into counterfeit money. He wanted to give us the port of Camden for what? narcotics. This yeah. mayor? Yes. <laughs> Right? Wow. Um Abscan was becoming more and more outrageous. Arichetti opened wife's Abscan wide and connected Weinberg to a whole host of US congressmen. It had become now a political sting.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: By then, the sheik wanted American citizenship, and middlemen were finding corrupt politicians who could help in the matter in exchange for cash.
0: What? Yeah,
1: INS Dang! Could you imagine? The FBI recorded each of the money exchanges and for the first time in American history secretly videotaping government officials accepting (gasps) bribes. The meetings took place in a house in the Fox Hall neighborhood of Washington, D.C., a yacht in Florida, and hotel rooms in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So of the 31 targeted officials convicted of bribery and conspiracy in 1981 were, I'm going to give you their names and then what they were indicted for. So U.S. Senator Harrison A. Williams, a Democrat from New Jersey, he was indicted on October 30th, 1980 and was convicted on May 1st, 1981 on nine counts of bribery and conspiracy to use his office to aid in business ventures. The Senate Ethics Committee voted to censure Senator Williams and put a motion on the floor to expel him for charges of bringing dishonor upon the Senate and his and his, quote, ethical repugnant behavior. Mm. Before the vote on the expulsion could occur, Senator Williams resigned his seat. He served two years in a federal penitentiary. Uh, U.S. Representative F- Frank Thompson, a Democrat from New Jersey, was indicted and convicted of accepting a bribe from an FBI agent uh-huh. posing as an Arab sheik. Thompson was offered money in exchange for helping the Arabs overcome certain immigration laws. He was well loved by his constituents and he was the longest serving member of Congress wow. convicted in this operation.
0: I mean, just throw your whole career yeah, away
1: for, for $50,000. He served three years in prison as his sentence uh, starting in 1983, and um, he served two years before. Oh, so he only served two of the three years before being released, and worked as a consultant in Washington D.C. Of, of course, course. Mm-hmm. of course, uh, unbelievable. I know he shouldn't be allowed to go back to Washington. I know. U.S. Representative John Juret, a Democrat from South Carolina, John Jarrett was one of the few who resigned before they he was expelled from the House during the operation. Jenrette, um did I say that right? Yeah, Jenrette was asked by an undercover FBI agent if he could take the bribe from the sheik. And he replied, quote, I've got larceny in my blood. I'll take that. I'll take it in a goddamn minute. And, quote, <laughs> I've got
0: larceny in my blood. <laughs> Give me
1: the money. Wow. He was charged with and convicted of accepting a $50,000 bribe and was sentenced to two years in prison, of which he served 13 months. Dang. So here's a really funny side note I found when I was looking up this guy. He allegedly had sex with his then wife, Rita Jenret, a Playboy model, behind a pillar on the steps of the Capitol building what? during a break in a late night session in no. Congress. Yes. Oh my God. And I say allegedly, but she said this in a Playboy interview that they had sex there. Oh my and, God. And um, there's a comedy like uh, improv group called Capitol Steps mm-hmm. and they named themselves after this like <laughs> this uh, mm. tryst that happened there. That's I love funny. it. Yeah. Okay, U.S. Representative Raymond Lettier, he's a Democrat from Pennsylvania. He was videotaped at a motel in New York on September 11th, 1979, at a meeting with two undercover agents who presented themselves as reps for the Arab Sheik. Accepting $50,000 in cash, mm. he told the agents, quote, I can give you me in exchange for the money. Letterer was convicted of bribery on January 9th, 1981, and sentenced to three years in prison and fined $20,000. Despite his indictment in the scandal, Letterer was reelected in 1980. No, <laughs> unlike the other members of the House that were implicated in the scandal, the U.S. House uh, Committee on Standards of Official Conduct voted to expel him on April 29, 1981. Letterer resigned the following day, citing quote personal legal problems oh, that come <laughs> on. interfered with his ability to serve his constituents. Letterer served 10 months in Allenwood, fellow, Allenwood Federal Prison, and he later worked as a roofer okay so u.s rep michael ozzy myers he was videotaped accepting a bribe of fifty thousand dollars from FBI agents in August of nineteen seventy nine. On that tape, Myers is recording say recorded saying, quote, that money talks in this business and bullshit walks, end quote. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Myers Oh my God. How many of these people it's such a nineteen seventy nine thing. Yes. Money walks and bullshit
0: (laughs) Yes. It's from like a I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) said that in a movie. We're in that twins movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. hey, Danny DeVito is yes. like teaching them like how to be cool.
1: I love that movie so yes. much. It's so good. <laughs> oh, and that, what's her name's in that movie? Um, Kelly Preston, who just passed oh, away. Oh yes. Myers was expelled from the House of Reps on October second, nineteen eighty, by a vote of three seventy six to thirty, becoming the first member of the house to be expelled since eighteen sixty one. Myers was convicted of bribery bribery and conspiracy sentenced to three years in prison. Uh, John Murphy, a Democrat from New York, he was acquitted of bribery but found guilty on lesser charges and served 18 months in prison. Uh, R- Richard Kelly, who was a Republican from Florida, he was convicted of taking $25,000 in bribes. He claimed he had conducted his own undercover operation and spent part of the money to maintain that cover, but was convicted and served 13 months of a 16 18 oh, 18 God. month sentence at a federal prison. How many people are yeah, in this? A couple more. So, the mayor from uh, Camden, New Jersey, Angelo oh, Arichetti, he what was convicted on bribery federal bribery charges and served about 3 years in prison. Uh 3 was, years, he was going to have a whole narcotics <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like coming in and him, out. He, they gave him of the, the, the whole port. case. <laughs> they gave him the whole case though. They like, oh, yeah. open the door to all of these people. Can you imagine?
0: Yeah, but still, I mean, he also is going to open the port to narcotics yeah. coming in. <laughs> the guys, this is nuts. I know.
1: I love people that get elected just to run scams and get yes. money. Yes. Um, okay. Well, they—they, so-
0: they, you know, look at all the people that have gone away with stuff.
1: Yeah. So, in only three years—that's not that bad.
0: No, in a in a federal prison, please. Yeah.
1: Uh, Philadelphia City Council President George Swartz and Philadelphia City Councilman Henry, Je- or sorry, Harry. Gennady, uh were also involved uh, and another um also uh councilman lewis Joh- johansson so the undercover undercover fbi agents agreed to pay schwartz thirty thousand dollars in exchange for his use uh the use of his influence over the city council to get the project a project approved schwartz was recorded telling the men quote we got five or six members of council you tell me your birthday i'll give them to you for your birthday end quote wow yeah the scandal would take down fellow Council Majority Leader Harry Giannotti and Louis Johansson. Schwartz was indicted on charges of accepting a bribe, extortion, and conspiracy in May of 1980. He resigned as Council President six days later. Both Schwartz and Giannotti initially claimed that they were entrapped into taking the bribes. Both men were initially convicted of the charges against them, but later had tried had their convictions overturned by the district court, which agreed with their assertion that they were entrapped. However, the appellate court later reversed the district court's decision and reinstated the verdicts. The case finally reached the Supreme Court in mid-1982, and in the first high court ruling on abscam, the court concurred with the appellate court's findings and let the conviction stand. Mm. Both Swartz and Gennadi began serving their sentences in federal prison in 1985. Swartz had been sentenced to 366 days and was also ordered to pay a $10,000 fine, Giannotti had been sentenced to six months in prison and a $2,000 fine. Yeah, they should have just
0: done it in the beginning and be done with this years later now.
1: I know. So the Johansson was the other councilman. He was convicted of bribery and conspiracy um, and served three years in prison. They also got, I couldn't find what this person got, but an inspector for the United States Immigration Naturalization Service. So mm. that's when they were trying to get yes. these uh, like green cards. or <laughs> uh, Unbelievable. So... The aftermath, so public sentiments changed when it was revealed that a convicted con man was the mastermind and that the Bureau had spent more than half a million dollars during the sting operation. Though Abscan won 19 convictions, Congress took it personally and made a spectacle of it, opening hearings and denying and delaying FBI appointments in the show of protest.
0: I mean, but they're the guys were still guilty. Yeah. But they're feeling like, oh, these people... Yeah, uh, he, they were entrapped and they were, yes, but still they took the bait.
1: Yeah. But these are they their made friends, it. their friends are all getting oh, caught, well. you know, taking, taking bribes. Then and, don't take the bait. You know, and how could the FBI work against us? That kind of thing. That's, oh, what, that's what it sounds okay. like. Right. Spoiled. Yeah. Um, so all of which had an effect, all of this had an effect on the, that scan became an even bigger story. Right. Because now they're just drawing attention yes. to it. And, um, uh, the entire country that's it's a bigger story that the entire country knew about and changed the public perception on corruption. So they thought politicians weren't so much as seen as immoral and evil as just plain stupid. Oh, <laughs> I love that. That's line the so truth. Much. It's so I mean, it's the truth. <laughs> so behind the curtain, Congress successfully forced the U.S. Attorney General to issue new guidelines that restricted undercover operations against politicians. The rules have been made, made a large stunt like uh so a large stunt like abscan is impossible to pursue today
0: well but if you so so you they can can't still, ju- you they can catch ch- them but yes. you can't you can't put the bait
1: out basically. yes and Trapman is is a is a funny it's, thing i know
0: i mean i get it because there's You know, you're, you're, would they have done it if it, if that opportunity didn't present itself? It's like the intent to commit crime instead of
1: actually committing the crime, but they're, they show up, you know, like, Hey, show up here and you'll get this money and they they show up up and they videotape them taking the money and walking out.
0: I mean, and that's their, they made a choice. Yes.
1: So, uh, finally, the 2013 movie American Hustle, written and directed by David O. Russell, was based on the Abscan sting operation. Mm. Melvin Weinberg's name was changed in the movie to Irvin Rosenfeld and played by Christian uh, Bale, and his mistress was played by Amy Adams. I like Amy Adams. I love that movie. Have you seen that movie? I haven't. Oh, it's so good. So, that's it. That's the Abscan sting operation. That is wild.
0: I mean, I get it with the sting that... I know. Or not with the sting, but the the idea of the, the entrapment but at yes. the same time they're like hey i know this guy and i know this guy that means that they're already shady
1: right that's right they're already shady it's, we were watching um uh, for for my daughter one of the classes she's taking in school is speech and debate which oh, is like fun. oh my god i'm so excited about yes. it she's really excited about it she's Yay. usually kind of a shy kid but i think this will be so good for her but um so one of the movie, they're analyzing kind of scenes from the movie 12 Angry Men, oh, which is from 1957, yes. and it's a jury, and it's all yes. men, it's all white men, and it's a Spanish kid, Hispanic kid, who's on trial for stabbing his father. It's so good. Yes. And so she's like, oh, extra credit, I get to watch the movie. I'm like, extra credit, girl. Let's get let's it. Let, it. Let's it. Yeah. So we watched it last night. It was so good. It's a very good movie. Yes. I kept pausing it. I was telling her to pause it. I'm like, this is, do you understand what they're saying right now? Do you understand the implicate, like what he's implying? Like I kept trying Uh. to tell her. And then, uh, it reminded me that I was on a jury. I was on a a jury picked for a jury. It was a federal case. What? I've never been picked for a jury. I've been called before, but never picked.
0: I've never been picked. It was
1: an entrapment case. And if this (gasps) guy was entrapped or well entrapped, he was, arrested with a couple of his buddies and the buddies kind of turned on him so they were brought in in like the orange jumpsuits and like shackled to testify against the guy how long did it last oh my god like a week
0: so you had you sat there for a week and you had to like take notes and yeah oh i love this it was
1: was awesome but the so that but there was one guy when we got into the jury room who was like "Mm," you know like i don't know we had to find them guilty him guilty on like three or four charges but so you're only given this this you know, based on this, this is what the law is. Did yes. he violate this? Yes. But it was where they heard this guy was into buying drugs or something, and the and the government kind of set it up where they're like, okay, and led him along. Got a guy yeah. to set up this sting operation, and they caught him. And so it's like, yeah, it was entrapment, but
0: he took he, the bait. He showed up.
1: Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Yeah, I've never
0: been. Uh, I've never been called. I've. I mean, I've been called for jury duty. Mm-hmm. And then you sit in the room and they're like, all right, like this one, this one, this one, you guys can leave. Yeah. I've never even made it to where they ask you questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've only ever been where if we're in an overflow. Yeah. And I think I've done it where, oh, we're in an overflow. Does someone want to put their name in? And I was like, (laughs) I'll I'll leave. But then you get your name put back in. You know, you don't. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I forget Mm -hmm. how long it is if you actually serve. It's like seven years. You don't get called again or something. Oh,
1: I don't know. I liked yeah. it. Although my boss was very annoyed. Well, he was like, you're supposed to not be picked. And I was like, yes. I don't know what happened. I don't I know. know what happened. No,
0: I would, I mean, depending on a case, I wouldn't mind being on the jury. Oh, it was, it all. was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I liked But if it. it was one that was like, you're sequestered for three months oh, away no, from your, no, no, like no. I couldn't do that.
1: No, please. But it's a, it's an amazing part of our of yes. our justice system, and that we get to come in, and like even at the end of the movie when they're all like walking down the steps and walking away, I was like, that's exactly what it was like. You spent the whole week with everybody talking, and you can't talk about the case when you're not, you know, when you go to lunch or something. Yes. So you talk about yourself, and you're yes. talking to people about who, about you, and then all of a sudden you don't ever see these people again. It's it wild, so crazy. It's wild. I know. So good. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Hey, man. You know, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I mean, please. Oh, I know. Another week. Here we go. Another week. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Yeah.
0: I'm like, I'm, I know. I'm so tired.
1: I mean, I don't know what it's like for you, but I'm you, like, this week was better for school. Like, they, yes. like, everything was, we were able to, log, able to log in, da, da, da. But, um, I have to keep an eye on my, my my son and make sure that he's staying on task because I can look over for a second. And he's touching the screen, and I know that he's, like, looking at the kids in his class and not listening to the teacher, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like juggling work and watching to make sure he's on top of it. And, yes. and we have an option where he, they have like an essential worker program where mm-hmm. he could go into the school, but he'd be sitting in a large room with other kids whose parents have and to just, work and just
0: staring at the screen and zooming still. that way. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I, and my, my husband was like, I don't understand why you're, if it's stressing you out that much, just let him go there. They saved a spot for, for him. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but I, I see what he's like when he's in front of me, what the hell's he going to be like there? He's not like paying, paying attention. attention. No yeah. one's going to be like, get that book out. What did she just say? Can you read? He's, it's never good. He will yeah. not be.
0: I've, I've been at work. So my husband is still working from home for his job and he, he's exhausted.
1: I can't even imagine. He's Tina, exhausted. I don't even know how he's doing this. Yeah. Cause your kids are both on zoom and he's on zoom and yes. it's like, how the fuck?
0: Yeah. I, no, it's very, very hard. And then when I come home, Sometimes, normally, it used to be like homework was done before I came home from work. Mm -hmm. And um, because my mom would pick them up from school and they would do their homework and then, you know. Your job is done. Now you can just be a mom. Yeah. Then I or my husband would pick them up and then, you know, with activities and other things, it was perfect. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, my husband will forget to say, oh, yeah, guys, remember, you have to do your homework because he'll give them a little break. Right. Right. And then they won't get back on. And so sometimes when I come home, I'm like, oh, my God, now it's like dinner.
1: Hours of this. And it's
0: hours. And then my older son, they're doing soccer practice. Mm-hmm. They're not really engaging. It's just like doing individual drills and spaced out. But still, like, he's not coming home till 830 at night. Oh, my God. And I'm like, I can't, you know, when he comes home, I'm like, he needs to shower and go to bed. Yeah. It can't be like now we have all the, like, it's too much. Because by the time I come home, like, they're out the door for soccer so he needs to do it like yeah. he's been here for for 3 hours mm-hmm. it's more than enough time to get it done
1: he and i know that your your older son is a lot like my daughter where and he will get as, it done most yes, of the time as soon as school's done she goes back through her classes from the first period to the sixth period looking for the assignments to just yes. go back and do whatever she needs to do mm-hmm. and that's easy and i've gotten my younger one on where i'm just like uh like if he's got they give him 2 15 minute breaks where he gets off of zoom and I say, go to the bathroom, get water, come back and do that assignment that's due at the, you know, yes. tomorrow morning, like do it now and let's just get it done. Take a picture of it, send it to your teacher. And like, so when three o'clock comes or whatever, two fifteen, two thirty, whenever he's out, you can just be done. Yes. And, and you know, like it is an incentive to be like, you don't, you won't have homework if you just do this now. Yes. Because I don't, I, I can't. So
0: I'm not there to do that. Right. It's hard. It's, it's been hard. Yeah. And now that my younger is gonna have some uh, you know his tutoring I'm like he's got to get it done before that because then tutoring's gonna end around six and it's after six he's gonna be on tutoring till six and then he's got to do homework so it's got to be done before so yeah. that he can just be done
1: yeah well last night so that this all of this is starting to make me really appreciate the moments that were not are not Monday through Friday yes because I can't it's too much so like on the weekends yesterday my son wanted some friends to come over to help celebrate his birthday, like uh, his, these two brothers. And I was like, listen, Saturday is my day. Like, yes. please, it's the one day I don't have to do anything. Yes. And like at nine, we finished watching that movie last night. It was like nine o'clock and I was like, I'm going in the pool. And the kids are like, what? And I'm like, let's go in the pool. My son got a whole bunch of uh, new pool toys for his birthday. <laughs> and we were in there with the light on in the pool with goggles, diving for toys for like two hours oh that's so nice and i mean i was just laying on my back floating looking at the moon and the stars and i'm just like please this is those are the times we have to just appreciate that nothing is happening right now at this moment because i'm come come tomorrow morning on monday we're back we're back to it this thing
0: yeah that's how i am with saturday so saturdays um because i'll try to get everything done for the muck Mm -hmm. like by friday night Mm -hmm. and then saturday is like You know, I'll clean the house a little bit, um, if that, and then I just, I kind of just like hung out a bit, and that's what I'm looking forward to this afternoon too. I'm gonna do, you know, a little bit of the notes, and then I'm just, I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I I don't even want to cook. I know. I just want to do nothing because I baked, I made bread yesterday, but that's like relaxing to me. And we did like a barbecue, so it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do nothing. I know.
1: When I was a kid and I liked that song, Working for the Weekend, I didn't really know what it meant. Oh, my God. Working for the Weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. My my whole life. All right. Uh, Well, I will see you next week. Yes. I'm trying to think of a really good one for next week because you've been killing me with stories. You're like dominating. No. I've got to come up with a good dominating story. I'm going to get you (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get you with a good one. I can't wait. (laughs) Oh, my God. I will see you next week. Okay. bye.
0: Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Muck Podcast.
1: To support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level: muckraker, policy wonk, or bleeding heart. We can't do it without you. Music for the Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Docherty coming up next week on the Muck Podcast. So Spitzer had at least seven liaisons with sex workers from the agency over six months and paid more than $15,000 for their services. Federal agents had him under surveillance twice in 2008. According to published reports, investigators believe Spitzer paid up to $80,000 for sex workers over a period of several years.
0: And according to California law, they should have only been making $400 a month meaning they should have only been making, like, $5,000 a year, and they were each getting $100,000 annually.
1: I I just...